You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of Kaiju Curry House. This is episode 54, and I'm your host, Joe. Tonight, I am joined by special guest, Kaiju Hime, also known as Destiny, and my regular co-host, Paul. Hi, guys. How are you doing tonight? Great. How are you? Brilliant. Brilliant. Paul? I'm super, Joe. Thanks for asking. Well, special uh, fun for you folks. Uh, We're going to be talking about John Carpenter's The Thing for this episode, and before we shoot off doing that, Paul, what have Kaiju been up to? I have been up to a lot of stuff. Yeah, I know, keeping busy. So, first of all, I've backed this um, Kickstarter project called Girls Who Love Monsters. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Tell us more. Everybody needs to back that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, that ends this coming Friday, doesn't it? If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So if you want a copy of the book, get on Kickstarter now, go find it. Uh, Destiny, you can probably tell us more, but from what I remember, it's about 200 pages worth of um, stories and art from various artists and authors. I don't know, if they, are they just mm-hmm. in the US or is it worldwide? Um, it was worldwide. So nice. um, I'd say probably... a a good majority are from U.S. North America, um, but we have different artists from all over. And yep, you're right. It's short stories and prose and cosplay photography and comics and illustrations, um, all interpreting the prompt of, you know, why do you love monsters or what does that mean to you? Awesome. Well, yep. So I've backed, I'll be getting my physical version of the book. I look forward to that. Yay! Yay! Um, on top of that, I watched Underwater, which is something that's been on my radar for quite a while, and I've been waiting for it to come out, and I realised it hasn't actually had a physical release, or at least not in the UK. So it was only available on streaming. So I went ahead and, and rented it on a company called Rakuten, but I think it's on Now TV. It's actually, I shouldn't say actually, but it was, it was really good. <laughs> Yeah, I was surprised. Solid. I wasn't expecting that much from it because I heard great things. It just kind of came and went. But when I watched it, it, it was really good. It had a very strong alien vibe about it. Especially for them being underwater. It was so much like space when they're in their, you know, the, the special suits they need to walk underwater. And it's black. like space. It was just, they had some really creepy scenes in it. Uh, the director, um, William Eubank, hadn't, I think he's done two films previously. And the only actor, actress, I reckon, was um, Kristen Stewart from Twilight. So, yeah. Wasn't she did expect- a good job. Yeah. As I said, I wasn't expecting much, but I was very pleasantly surprised. So if anyone hasn't seen it, I would highly recommend checking it out. It is quite creepy. So it's perfect for Halloween coming up. So oh, nice. Have you seen it then, Joe? Yeah, I would say it's very Lovecraftian. It is, and isn't it? I got alien vibes. I got sphere vibes. <laughs> I got Leviathan vibes, you know, that was, it was really good. I enjoyed it immensely. 
I had me the whole time. I didn't know what was going to happen next, who was going to live, blah, 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 blah. And Kristen Stewart, I can't say that she plays a lot of roles that I really get behind. It isn't, it isn't that she's necessarily a bad actress. I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon or get off or whatever. But let's just say that the films that she acts in aren't necessarily my go-tos. Yeah. But Underwater, she was astounding. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. They so really good. Um, yeah. No, I mean, they didn't show too much at start either. You know, it, no, it was, it was just a case of, oh, there's a strange noise and, you know, and oh, what's happened to this body. So you don't really it see definitely... the creatures, which is great because it builds up the suspense. Less is more. Yeah. Yes, totally absolutely. Until the end where you see a lot more. Big, big mama. Yeah. Big, big. <laughs> big, big Cthulhu mama. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, very uh, cool. <laughs> is, it a ten- is it a tentacle creature? Yes. Oh man. <laughs> Do you like or not like tentacles? I am just, I'm just a little, I'm just a little tired of tentacle creatures. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro has saturated the market for ten- tentacles over the years. I, I will say. I mean, I mean, it was in everything. Stranger Things had a tentacle creature. Star Wars, they were having a tentacle creature. <laughs> like every couple of movies, it was a tentacle creature, and I'm just like, we get it. If you're gonna do a Cthulhu, though, <laughs> I, I mean, feel that you are justified. Yes, agreed. Not, agreed. Many, yeah. <laughs> not many folks go after the big C, but you know, in this one they did, and they pulled it off really well. They did. So, Destiny. Yep. Yes. What have Kaiju been up to? Oh, living a dream. <laughs> um. Let's see. Well, I've been working real hard on that little Kickstarter that you may have heard of. Um, So that's out there. Um, I've been doing a lot of my little illustrations for Lisa Nafziger's Titanotober. I've been watching those on Twitter. Those are great. Thanks. Actually, um, I'm learning a lot of different monsters um, doing that. That was really fun. because she'll have something and it'll either be like, oh, I remember this movie or, oh, I haven't seen it. I think I should. Um, and then trying to like interpret the creatures, even though I don't know really anything about them. So that's cool. That's been, yeah, it's been really fun where I'm like, I wonder how on or off I am with this drawing. Like there's like, there's this one, I think it was uh, Sadura, which is probably uh Ultraman monster. <laughs> I don't know, but he kind of had this like um, Zoidberg kind of vibe. Okay. So I did this nice. drawing, and I was I was like <laughs> in my brain, I was like, it's a giant Zoidberg with his claws. Like, oh, <laughs> that noise was amazing. I think you nailed it actually. <laughs> that, you, you kind of are nailing it. <laughs> it's like whatever about Zoidberg. <laughs> oh, Futurama. Oh, that show got really deep, didn't it? Oh I mean, my gosh! The comedy yes. that it was, it got really deep. I think one episode, like I, I think I was, I'm so on the Fry and Lilo train, like with them. Like I think it was the one episode where he has like the flute and he can make the little pictures, and the images yes. were very like childlike mm-hmm. and innocent. And I'm just like, this is so cute. What is this show doing? So. Have you watched a lot of Futurama? I've seen, I've seen pretty much all of the original 
um, episodes before they started making new ones, and I haven't really seen much of the new ones. Tell you what, newer I'm, ones. I'm not going to spoil too much, but if you're on the Fry and Lilo train, let's just say that pays off. And there's, uh, a, happy, and there's, there's a happy ending. There is a happy ending. Oh, all right. Yeah, I need to. Some days I'm just like, I just need to rewatch this show. It's so good. How many seasons uh, have in the end? Not as many as The Simpsons. <laughs> no, but nothing <laughs> will compete with The Simpsons. <laughs> but that's but, still uh, going. No, the, Futurama had a few, and I just remember people being really upset when that show got set aside, and then we got picked back up again. Everybody mm-hmm. was just really happy because Futurama was done really well. Mm-hmm. It tackled a lot of things that aren't necessarily shown in the simpsons um there's a lot that's done in the simpsons but i think futurama they use their comedy to kind of like frame what they wanted to talk about the same way that star trek kind of uses like a sci-fi vibe around it well not that futurama isn't sci-fi but there we go it's a little bit more fun (laughs) there we are yeah and actually while we're talking about tentacles that's reminded me (laughs) um i've also been playing a game called um carry on and it's a reverse horror game where you play as the monster and and he's got tentacles he's like he's he's in a government laboratory he escapes or it escapes and you go around and you can just pick up people with your tentacles and and eat them and you've just got to try and escape you've got to try and escape from the military base and you very cool. Yeah, you find other experiments and you absorb their DNA and get new abilities to progress through the game. It's very cool. So, um, and then yeah. I want to play that because I'm a, like, I always empathize with the monster. <laughs> well, this is, yeah, I mean, this is the story of the monster and how he's, he's been harassed by these scientists. And then, right? yeah, he just wants to be free. He just is hungry and he wants to live his life. He is very hungry. He likes to munch, and unfortunately, can I just say, scientists? Oh my gosh, scientists on this show. (laughs) So I just had to mention that. um, Sorry, Joe. What? No, I I feel like Destiny wasn't even done yet. We just got sidetracked on tentacles and Futurama. (laughs) Well, we did anyway. (laughs) The sound. (laughs) Okay, and what else have I been up to aside from that? We watched. I watched The Thing for the first time, so I'm ready to talk about that. Uh, we started watching... Are you ready? Are you ready yet? <laughs> yes. Have you gotten over that? Oh. <laughs> you I'm weren't good. eating when you watched it. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. I'm. Uh, most, like, most things don't... Most movies don't phase me, and it's going to be really weird, but, like, the only types of horror that phase me is, like, supernatural demon possession stories yep. it's like the only thing i can't do so i can't i, I like i can't watch whatever like uh like paranormal activity or something paranormal like activity yeah, i haven't seen Bly that Manor, hill house yeah my friend keeps like you should watch blind manor and i'm like i'll get around to it maybe <laughs> maybe not i've been watching unsolved mysteries <laughs> oh yeah that's cool the really um, neat thing about Hill House and Bly Manor is that they have happy endings. Mm-hmm. You find out in both don't, stories. Don't go spoiling it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I won't. I won't spoil okay. the endings. But the ghosts are very scary. The stories are very creepy. 
But what you find out is that the ghosts themselves, what they are doing is being misinterpreted. Because... I I like that. I like that... That That spin. Theme, yeah. So I think it's a really clever plot device because these were people. You have to understand that. And as ghosts, Mm -hmm. all that they would be is lonely or forgetful, depending upon how long they've been in a certain place or what have you. Mm -hmm. So... What they did, what I think is very clever is that these are entities reaching out and it's being misinterpreted wrongly. And usually very close to the end, you kind of come to a realization of why they're reaching out. And this is where all of like the fun twists and turns start and things start to make sense because you start to mm-hmm. see things from this former person's perspective. So it's kind of neat. I really enjoy both. They are both pretty creepy in their own right. I am a supernatural phobic person. Those things always give me the heebie-jeebies, but they are lovely stories and I do give them a recommend. I'll have to watch it then. And then I don't know why this made me think, but do you guys like board games? Not Monopoly. Not anything besides Monopoly. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite games is called Mysterium and it's a co-op game. And like one person has to play as the ghost and you're not allowed to talk and you're trying to get the other players to guess. Like, it's kind of like a supernatural clue. Like who killed you? Where was it? And what object did they use? And you're giving other players cards with these very fanciful illustrations on them and people and people are trying to interpret your clue out of these dreams so that's really cool yeah if you like that stuff you should check that email it's really fun (laughs) that's a very novel cluedo for our british listeners (laughs) clue and cluedo same difference oh different names oh okay (laughs) forgot about that so joe what have cards you've been up to I have been up to a lot. So I have a very lovely guest who has been hanging out with me this week. And I subjected her to two of my practical effect monster movies. One of which was American Werewolf in London. And the second, which we just finished up prior to recording this, was John Carpenter's The Thing. So I really love sitting down and watching films with this person, especially from my genre, because her takes and what she sees when she's watching these films are quite different to what I see and what I pick up. So American Werewolf in London, she was watching that. And we've talked about that film before on this podcast and she listens and she wanted to see what it was all about. So we were watching it and it was really funny because one of the, it was very early in the movie. And one of the things that they say is don't go into the moors, beware the moon, stay on the path. So our two Americans being American, being great at listening to directions, they veer wildly off the road. And I think one of them bumps into a bush at which point, my lovely co-watcher was like, excuse me, did you just not feel that bush there? Do you, do you not realize what's going on? Do you not understand that you're walking through like muddy grass as opposed to a road? And I, I just kind of had to like take a step back and like, 
you know, as an American, I, I really did have to experience that marshy moors have a very different feel to like a field or something like that. So I, kind of, I definitely got I picked up on that point once she said it. And then, you know, brushing against a bush when you're supposed to be on a road, that was kind of unforgivable, unforgivable wasn't it? So yes, these two guys know, they should have known what they were doing. The next thing that she picked up on was when our main protagonist just wakes up from a nightmare and kisses his, his nurse and she just blurts out, uh, consent? <laughs> just thinking like, yeah. <laughs> um, the, other th- the other thing that was really funny, um, once the werewolf bit kind of got going, you know, she just kind of took a lot in stride because that's where the break from any real reality sets in really quickly. But the werewolf, I want to call them Nazis, um, when he's having his nightmare and these guys burst in and start killing his family, she just looks at me and goes, this movie is being crazy. And uh, I was just like, well, you know. So she was laughing and then he wakes up from his dream and she's like, yeah, like this movie, it's just weird. And then that was the point when the nurse like opens the drapes and then there's like a werewolf Nazi right there and it stabs her and you realize he's still having a nightmare and she jumped really like she jumped quite a bit. So it was kind of interesting to see like, yeah, okay, this movie does have like the odd jump scare that still works. Uh, She liked the transformation scene that went really well. Um, And the porno theater was really funny. So uh, for anybody who's watched American werewolf in London, when our protagonist goes and hides in a uh, porno theater uh, around Piccadilly Circus, he's sitting there like talking to these undead that have been victims of the werewolf, like their souls kind of haunt him. Anyways, the porno that they're watching, it has the best dialogue. At one point, a man just bursts into this couple's apartment when they're making out and he goes, hey, I thought I told you never to do this kind of thing again. And there's a man and a woman and it's a man saying this. So you think that he's talking to the woman, but the gentleman that she's making out with says, I don't know you. You've never told me to do anything. He goes, not you. And then he points at her and he's like, I don't know you either. And he goes, oh, oh, that's right. And then he just casually walks out of their apartment. It was just like, I mean, I have, I have no interest in that bit of pornography other than to just to see where else it went. <laughs> because at one point, like, again, they, they, he sits in this theater for a while. Like, the woman will pick up a phone and say, oh, hello. No, no, I don't know you. I think, no. Huh, all right then. And then just hangs up. And it's just like these series of like really weird encounters, but she caught that. It was just, it was really funny. And <laughs> I, I just really enjoy this, like uh, Godzilla versus Megalon. We watched, I watched it with her, and that was another movie. She just, she just had to go. What is this movie about? <laughs> <laughs> what What does this guy do for a living? Is he an inventor? Is he a scientist? I feel like if you can create an android like that in the seventies, that the government would know about him, and <laughs> they wouldn't just let him do these things. That's a very good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then. What else is, oh yeah, at the very end, you know, Jet Jaguar and Godzilla, you know, they've defeated the enemies, spoiler, and all this is coming together and Godzilla, like, Jet Jaguar and Godzilla do this awkward handshake thing at the end. I think everybody's seen it now. And 
her take was, oh, Godzilla was going in for a hug and Jet Jaguar totally stonewalled in there. <laughs> but I, I just, I really enjoy these takes. So tonight we watched The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, and we did it whilst eating dinner, which was a risky move. It was a risky move because she had never seen it before. And you submit this guest to a lot of um, interesting films. I do. I, I hope I do. she repays the favor and... Oh, I, I, I have, I really, I found out that I really enjoy celebrity go, celebrities go dating. I, I found that out. That okay. was one of hers. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting it, but you know, gave it a go. It was all right. Yeah. I, I found out there's some truly weird and wonderful people that deserve each other in this world. Anyway, uh, yeah, it was, it was beautiful, but you know, we watched those, but tonight during the thing, yeah, she had some really clever points, but I think on the whole, this is the film that she's been able to pick the least amount of fault with, which was really good. That's good to hear. So we'll end this segment, and <laughs> after we come back from our break, we will discuss John Carpenter's 1982 masterpiece, The Thing. It's a new year, which means new reasons to stop by QT, like drinks to wash out the taste of last year. I need more. And fresh snackles, worth breaking a resolution. Pizza has tomatoes, so technically, it's a salad. Want to binge a new show? We've got plenty to snack along with it, like our new cheesy mac and cheese. Wow, it's like my wife's, but even cheddar up top. This is the time for new beginnings, and it starts at Quick Trip. QT, more than a gas station. Untangling your headphones, finding the right remote, saying goodbye to your favorite shirt that hasn't fit in 10 years. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who live in your community, know you by name, and answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things, like finding a new favorite shirt. That's simple human sense. Ask your independent agent if auto owners make sense for you. Hello and welcome back to part two of Kaiju Curry House. It's Paul along with Joe and Destiny to talk about The Thing, John Carpenter's 1982, as Joe put it, masterpiece. We'll see if we all agree with that statement. So, um, Joe, you seem to really love this film. Why don't you tell us why? So, most people know that this the thing john carpenter's version is based on the thing from another world which is a 1950s black and white horror film it's kind of similar but in that one the alien is kind of a vegetable person that drinks blood is it a carrot or something they do compare it to a carrot yeah. okay um, yeah you you take a lot of the horror out of it it was <laughs> um very vampiric it was creepy and bullets didn't stop it because it was a vegetable so yeah um i can't say that that was spooky but it's an actually an older story than that so the thing originally came out in 1938 which was and it's it was called who goes there or i think some folks call it um who goes there in the dark and it was by um, John W. Campbell Jr. And it was written under his pen name, Don A. Stewart. So it's been used, parodied, and made a film several times over, but it's an old story. And the original story was quite revolutionary. 
John Carpenter's 1982 version actually follows the original story pretty closely. And I highly recommend that uh, listeners give that, it's a relatively short story, a read. Uh, Bob Eggleton, for those who are familiar with our Kaiju Friends brilliant uh, artwork, he recently did some new artwork for it. And uh, the book that was released with his artwork, it was called Frozen Hell. And it was also by John W. Campbell Jr. And Bob's artwork does feature a picture of the thing as he imagines it. So that's fun. Um, it is a good book. Um, the 1950s version, it's fun, but it's not scary. And then we get to John Carpenter's version in the 80s, which changed the whole narrative, really, um, as to what this story could be. So one of the things that you have to take into account whenever we talk about this film is it is kind of a cult classic, if not a classic now. But when it first opened, not many people saw it, and it wasn't really highly regarded. Like many of John Carpenter's works, I think it was uh, underappreciated at the time it came out. But what the thing does brilliantly is keep a air of suspense and the practical effects are brilliant. I think it really set the bar for everything that came after it in sense of what practical effects could do and what practical effects trick trickery um, you can incorporate into a film. The characters were really well fleshed out. It I don't want to say it's like similar to 12 Angry Men, for those of you who have seen that play, but it's about 12 men, a, a jury in one room, and they're just talking it out. So this is a fairly isolated, small cast in one large set, you might say, and you are watching their drama unfold. So it's very character-driven and very character-based. I want to say that the special effects are very noteworthy, but they are just the cherry on the top of the cake. So it has a lot going for it. John Carpenter also scored this motion picture. Um, he does that for most of his uh, movies. And what was really neat is through a good chunk of the movie, there is actually no music. And I think that really helps it in a sense of it makes it more real and it makes it creepy and it makes you sense how alone they are down there in Antarctica. I think that it just really has a lot going for it. And for a story to be that good that was penned in 1938 it was a fairly original concept. It's been used a lot of times since. I also find it very relative nowadays because what you're talking about is infection isolation, um, responsibility, and spread of infection. That's really the mm -hmm. core concerns of this film because the creature in the thing, the thing itself, uh, once it infects you, it kind of takes you over until you become a perfect copy of what you once were. You become a thing, but you look sound and remember what you did. And at any point, you know, you could grow a giant alien maw right in your chest or what have you. So you look normal up until it goes to assimilate something else. But it was that 
need and understanding that it needed to stop. This infection needed to stop, stop because it was so dangerous. And I think in the film that I just watched, it said 27,000 hours after first contact or something like that, it would take the human race. So you have a lot of parallels to what could be considered going on right now in the current pandemic climate. Um, there were people in the thing that didn't take it seriously and the whole camp ended up uh, paying for a lot of the folly. But I, like I said, I, I'm gonna, I can rant about this story for a long time. I think it's a fantastic story, but those are some of the things that I find great about the thing. Paul. Um, Oh, sorry. Oh, Destiny. Please. Yeah. yeah, Destiny. By all means, we have a guest. It's, <laughs> well, I was just, I was just thinking while you were like, you were describing things that you like about it, and I realized that I had a totally different interpretation or a totally different understanding of the thing itself. So, you're saying that the thing would take people over, and that the people would would still effectively be themselves but now be a thing because when i was watching it i was like i thought it was the thing would eat the person assimilate them it and would take assimilate on them. The, and take on the form of a person yeah but that but person didn't exist anymore so when i watch it i think it's a very interesting philosophical question because it says it's a perfect copy so mm -hmm. And this is explored more in the 2011 prequel, ah. uh, I think. I think it's left open to interpretation, but I don't think you're necessarily aware that you have been assimilated because you are a perfect copy. Oh. So there are points in the prequel where people are being perfectly normal and then like they'll look down and like see their extremities changing and you see yep. a horrified look on a person's face so oh. i think i th yeah and i think too I, I think it's an interesting i think it makes it scarier in that sense that, yeah that if you are not aware you're a thing and then the other bit is when they're doing the blood test in john carpenter's version yeah everybody looks le legitimately concerned or surprised or what have you and on edge whenever their blood is getting tested until mm -hmm. someone's found out at which point stuff starts to happen so i i do think that it is scarier that way and that you are a prisoner in your own body in a sense yeah i all but you know you can see it however you want but I think that the uh, opposite argument can be made by watching the dog. The dog at the start of the movie is... So the dog a, knows. Well, it, the dog's a creepy old dog. You know, <laughs> like, that dog, whoever trained that dog to not act like a dog and yet be a dog, I think they did a fantastic job because that is the most, <laughs> that is the most unpupperish pupper I have ever seen. <laughs> and it doesn't even pant. So if you watch that dog the whole time, it doesn't look around doesn't wag its tail it doesn't pant and those are behaviors we typically associate very closely with our canine friends so whoever trained that dog and the shots that they used i think they did a great job in my mind it's kind of like how hannibal lecter doesn't blink all through silence of the lambs it's just an unsettling 
minor thing to set you on edge. But that dog doesn't act like a dog. So is the thing controlling it? Because it hasn't popped out and shown itself to be a thing, but it's acting very undog-like. Whereas the people act and you know like have all the behaviors and knowledge of those that it's assimilated. The um, I'm not going to necessarily give away names here because I feel like that spoils a bit of the surprise. But the gentleman who ends up having a heart attack and on the table, yeah, he was administering medication shortly before he had his heart attack, right? Yeah. The thing would have no clue about human medication and it wouldn't know how to speak people's language or the customs or putting on clothes, things like that. Right. That's so, what I was saying in the movie. I was like, how does it understand this? Like, so I think you are a prisoner in your own body in that sense. But it's smart enough to destroy the clothes, wasn't it? So it's hiding evidence to conceal itself. I think that it does that when it's assimilating you. Okay. Because... Actually, actually, yeah, uh, you, you seem to know a lot. You've, you've watched it a few times, I imagine. So at the start, um, the dog, when it's walking around, it goes into a room where it sees someone on its own. And then later on, mm-hmm. the dog transforms. Has it also infected that person in the room? So there's two that things. Is what's Im- that is what is implied. Yeah. So the thing is multiplying. It's not just simulated. It, it can spread? Or is yes. that It can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And but we don't, it, isn't, do we, oh. it isn't one being, I think that it should be said there. So one of the things that is terrifying about it is, is if you shoot it, that's not necessarily going to cause a lot of damage because every organ, every finger, you know, every eyeball has the potential to become a new creature, a new thing. So if you blow off part of it, that can scamper off and infect other people. So it's kind of a hive mind. Okay. It's still a creature in and of itself. It's an alien life form. So it's kind yeah. of neat. It can have all these different qualities. Okay. Yeah. I just it's wasn't grody, sure. whatever it is. It is grody. Because I was thinking, who is that person in that first scene? We don't actually... So do we know? Did we ever find out? I can't remember now. Well, I thought long and hard about this. <laughs> and Good. again, I'm not, I'm not going to use people's names because that is part of the joy of this film. And if you haven't seen the thing, giving people's names is going to okay. ruin it for you. I don't remember but... anybody's name anyway <laughs> in that film. So... I just know McCready. <laughs> I'm just like... Yeah. There's the hero of McCready, like... Kurt Russell. But, Doctor... You know, we... Pilot. <laughs> yeah. So I think a fair number of them are doctors. They're scientists. But the, oh, this is where the scientists get their comeuppance. Yeah. This is this <laughs> is where they finally get it. But for those who haven't listened to our podcast long, we have a thing where scientists make a lot of bad decisions and it negatively affects a lot of people <laughs> in most kaiju movies. And this is the one where they get it for messing with stuff that they should not have touched. <laughs> you touched it in this movie and now you're getting it. So the man who, because this is an all-male cast and John Carpenter's the thing, the man who I think the dog goes for in the dark room has curly hair. He has a rather thick neck, and I'm being kind of generous there because his chin kind of connects to his neck. He's, he's, he's a bit heavier, a gentleman, and he seems studious. So our friend who ends up on the table later, I think that was him the one that had the heart attack i think that was him from the start okay but you say we never really know 
you do never really know. There are a couple characters in that film with curly hair, but <laughs> it, it, it really, it really is an interesting watch. Uh, it is, it is good. Did you find so, it scary? Oh, the first time I watched it, I was a bit creeped out. Those. Uh, can we talk about the dogs? I feel like I, I feel oh. like we can talk about the dogs. The babies. The, the, okay, <laughs> folks, folks. The, this is full disclosure. Before you watch the thing, you should know this is a movie where the dog dies. Yes. Multiple dogs die. I did, I did that. Multiple dogs <laughs> yes. die. My Very like... bad deaths. My husband's like, no, not a baby. <laughs> and I was like, I know. I, I know where this is going. They're all going to die. But yeah. that's a good boy. And that's a good boy. That's a good None boy. of those dogs. <laughs> they are all good boys. Oh, they didn't see it coming. With the exception of one alien pupper. <laughs> and it's just so, I mean, he shoots dramatic. his... So it's dramatic. That's it. The thing shoots his tentacles into what, like three dogs at once? He's got multiple. So is he? Is he spread? Is he trying to spread at that point into have to yes. basically turn the whole pack into things? Yes. Yeah. So in the 1938 book, they have dogs and they have cattle. And I oh cattle. cattle is... that, yeah, there are cows in the book, and I presume huh. they're for meat, for dairy. You know, okay, yeah. as you will. I presume that they eat a lot and stuff like that. So why they're there, I don't know. <laughs> But I mean, this is it's in Antarctica, like the original one is in Antarctica. Okay, so it's there. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so they find out that the cattle are infected and the dogs are infected, and there's a lot going on there. And spoiler for the book, they find out that seagulls are getting infected, so that's where they start to think like this is spreading, and it's kind of left on that here we go again, like open the end ending. It's a creepy book, but um, it's really good too. It is really good. Like I said, John Carpenter's movie follows that 1938 story very closely. Um, okay. But... Yeah, because I've seen that it said that production started in the mid 70s, this film, and it just went through lots and lots of different directors and scripts. So it'd be interesting to see what they were because it took yeah. yeah it took like six or seven films to get it made but it actually only took three months to make so yeah interesting yeah i wonder how many other takes of the, the thing are out there i'm sure that there are other stories right now but what john carpenter did stayed pretty true to the original and in a lot of senses the closer you stay to the source material usually the better the movie is um but yeah this is probably the one remake that did better than the original film and yeah paul you seem to have been well, a little bit skeptical when, no. you, when you said this because you said <laughs> joe you think it's a classic and everything i kind of want to hear what you what, i just i just like to tease you rumble, paul <laughs> okay. i just like okay. to tease but no because did... um as you said at the, when this first came out admittedly i wouldn't have watched it when it first came out i was a little too young to be watching this um movie but um i thought that it said it cost 15 million to make and it made just under 20 million. So, I mean, that that is bad, isn't it? If you make a film, you all that, yeah, it, it's not good. And the review, what was it? Um, Cinefast, Cinefastique? Fastique? Anyway, some, 
a film magazine at the time called, um, proposed it was one of the most hated films ever. What? Which is pretty, you know, I can't see how anyone would think it's that bad. I don't I, think I, it's that I mean, that, I mean, that, I mean yeah, is, is it one of the worst films? I don't see how you can say that. So just to amuse me, when you said about it being a masterpiece. <laughs> and previously I clicked on Wikipedia and they just said one of the most hated films of all time. Like, huh, so D- some people dogs, love it, some people Dogs do it. die. I mean, like, you can hate that movie because <laughs> the, critics. the dogs die. That's I mean, true. There's a lot of dog lovers. Dogs are assimilated, dogs are shot, dogs get axed. I mean, like, the movie so, opens with people trying to shoot a dog. <laughs> John Carpenter might not be a dog person. I'm just going to throw it out. <laughs> yeah, he loves cats. <laughs> cats all over the place. <laughs> the thing, we'll have another thing, but it'll, it'll be about cats. Yeah. Gosh. Oh, but I mean, that'll be kind of like uh, Captain Marvel. That was already done, so. Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah, for the, the yeah. The, the Flurkin. Ten- yeah. Another tentacle monster. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> But this time I was where we were going with that. Oh yeah, the Flurkin, that's right. Yeah, the dangerous thing. Yeah, I can imagine like, you know, some people coming from like the Marvel Universe to the things like, oh, Flurkin. Yeah. yeah, that's it, straight away. All these Flurkin, Flurkins around. So Paul, did you know that there is a Thing video game? I do. Um, I think it was back on the PlayStation 2. Yeah. I want to say, yeah, I I did play it briefly. I didn't get very far, but from what I remember, it was based in Antarctica, and you had a squad with you, but you didn't know who to trust. So you kind of had a like a meter, almost gauging your trust and paranoia. So on top of trying to fight the thing and all the grotesque creatures, you also had to decide if you would give a teammate ammo because they could just kill you. So. Interesting concept, but I don't remember it playing that well. Um, you might be able That's to tell me. That's what I heard. Yeah, I, okay. I haven't, I haven't actually played it, but I remember hearing that it didn't end up going uh, very well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, good idea. Um, but yeah, perhaps it just wasn't, wasn't quite right. Um, and then, I mean, there's been comics, isn't there? And obviously the, the prequel that we'll, I'm sure, talk about. But yeah, I think the, the game was a good idea. And sometimes you can do a good sequel as a game. Uh, like Ghostbusters, they did practically they did Ghostbusters three as a game, where they brought back all the original cast and had an original story, but it just doesn't always take off. But you know, I think we should take our second break and then come back to discuss uh, myself and Destiny's thoughts on the thing in a bit more detail. Sound good? Fantastic. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. When it comes to working at GEICO, our best advocates are our employees, like Maxine. But since she is so focused on growing her career, we hired an actor to read her story. At GEICO, I love mentoring the new associates to help them make this a career and not just a job. And with new opportunities and job stability, GEICO has been helping people grow their careers for over 75 years. The only downside, she still hasn't met the gecko. Where are you, fella? Ready to start your career, Kansas City? We're hiring claim sales and service agents. Apply online today at geico.job slash Kansas City. 
and welcome back to Kaiju Curry House. We're going to talk about the strange thing that is the thing. <laughs> Shall I talk about the thing? Do the thing. Talk I'll about do the, the thing. thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, Joe, you will be pleased to know that I do like the thing. I was just winding you up. It's one of those great 80s, 90s films that's just fantastic. Just, the special effects, even now, still hold up. This, uh, this is just why we love practical effects, because it's awesome. And in this film, it's very just grotesquely well done. I mean, the, the dog, when it's face peering back, I mean... It blooms, doesn't it? It was just it like, I don't know if I want to eat banana again. You know, it was just... <laughs> Actually, we, we, the gag, you know, at the beginning with Destiny saying, you know, like, strange things, stranger things, it does remind me of the Demogorgon. Yeah, yeah I got that a lot. Its yeah. face just peels back, this this husky. And it's it's rather intense um, yeah it's just a, yeah. it's just like the, the flesh and those big black eyes and oh it's pretty horrific and then you, you know, know what, and then it just gets worse you know what i'm gonna say for the practical effects in this film what's that you know how i, I had it in my mind that practical effects the reason that they work so well you know with creature feature films is because you have to use them sparingly or you have to choose when you use them because you can only do so much of them and that's okay. kind of the argument for cgi right so like cgi you can just do anything that you know you can imagine blah 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 but with the thing i think the reason that it, it does so well is because what they did with their practical effects was really push the envelope so in the thing like you're going to have someone's head on a floor. You're like, okay, that's a practical effect. Oh, wow, it's spouted eye stalks. That's pretty cool. But yeah, you know, like there's somebody underneath the floor, you know, pushing those eye stalks up. Oh, in the same scene, in the same cut, they haven't cut away or anything or changed frame. It's just going to grow legs and get up and walk away. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> How did they do that? <laughs> so I think with the thing, they just, you know, like, oh, practical effects are limited. And the thing, they were just like, screw that. Let's blow your mind. <laughs> I'm just going to kind of take a step back and let you two discuss it. Well, no, you're, you're right. Because, I mean, Alien came out in, what, 79, I want to say. And that, and that, was, that was the man in the suit. That's, uh, and yes, that was scary. And again, we didn't see him much. But then only three years later, we get the thing. And wow, as you said, the, a head falls off a body sprouts legs eyes and just scurries off it's freaky as anything I and mean, i don't like spiders and that's like well, i mean that's a human head mutating into a spider and just running off and the look on the on the guy's face and they see it they just gotta look at each other they just is that is that really happening is that yep. okay <laughs> let's burn it <laughs> what was what was amazing about that scene that you find out later is that one of them it, it's really funny you might say because it's his face that's the most comedic because he's he goes, you got to be bleeping kidding me. And he just has like the, oh, yeah. as he yeah. watches like this, like it's like he's just dumbfounded. But in like two scenes later, you find out he had already been assimilated. So this is kind of a thing that kind of backs up what I think. You are a prisoner in your own body and you don't even know it because why would he necessarily, either he's pretending really well 
or that is his mind still working you know what i'm saying yeah it's, it sounds more like, as you say like they're they're aware but the thing can just flick a switch and take control if it needs to or this it's got a certain thing that says i'm alone with someone you know i'll kill them now mm-hmm. it, um, that makes a lot more sense than like what i was thinking because i think that raises less questions let's go with that theory then <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> or like it's the point when like kurt russell is like just saying you know i know that you're not all things otherwise you'd rush me now or whatever yeah. and they don't even know if, i mean they could potentially not even know if they're the things you know like the, even the assimilated ones they might not even know then but it's just pretty mm-hmm. neat i think the only re- i think the only ones that they actually kill or the ones that they catch out or actually in the process i think it's kind of neat that way yeah because i suppose mm-hmm. at the other time if they're a perfect coffee you don't know and they're not murderers i mean i know there's there's trust issues and the tensions definitely rise but yeah they're not they're, they're, they're they've been living with these people they're their friends so yeah they're not going to go mm-hmm. killing them or go killing another ally that would support them against the thing so right. that's another i mean I still think, yeah, the special effects are still standing out today. It's fantastic. Dog, dog thingy, head thingy, <laughs> and chest opening up and, and eating your hands thingy are um, all amazing. But Dog thingy just goes an extra mile too. Like dog thingy was terrible in its own right. And then if you'll remember out of its back, it sprouts those two enormous like clawed hands and starts reaching for the ceiling so that it can like you know like climb its way out of the ceiling so cool. yeah that's really cool, it's very <laughs> yeah, cool. But that prop that prop lifts lifts itself up off the floor too it's just like the way that they cut and edited all these scenes it's brilliant brilliant i always get on a soapbox about practical effects too because with cgi creatures um it's so difficult to give them mass you know it's you can always tell that like this is something that's like animated and it's not really there it's not really in that space um i think like a modern cgi it's like everything is always moving constantly and it's so it's moving freely and it's so i don't know if this if this thing was made today i could just picture it you know with its little tentacles constantly oh you know it's like with no real interaction with like gravity or you know mass or things around it and i think having these practical effects where something feels sluggish or it feels heavy and i think that adds to the creepiness of it yeah that's right yeah and the as you said about the music joe it's very sparse and it's just like that boom it's it's, it's um i'll just say yeah it's like john carpenter's halloween where it's just a very simple <laughs> Or the fog. Or the, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it all very simple. creepy vibes. That's it. It is. It's just. It's just this tone that's just there that makes you uneasy. And then sometimes you said there's no music at all, and it's just we're just watching some some guys down in Antarctica, and then things go horribly wrong. So it's it's definitely giving you that good, <laughs> that good. Um, like yeah, this. There's no reason not to believe this. It's not trying to make it out to be this big scary film. It's a. Uh, much more tense and creepy until something reveals itself and it all kicks off. It is like we talked about under, underwater. It, it's just tense and you don't know really what's going to be happening. 
And I think it's always nice to be kept on your toes like that. I will. This and Alien are. There, there are some interesting parallels between them. Mm-hmm. But what I will say as just like a general vibe, they both start out slow. And by the end of the film, like you're just, you just feel like you're on this like tense, scary roller coaster, don't you? So from where it starts out, like we have people really bored playing computer chess, just ping pong, like there's nothing going on. And then by the end of it, we have guys with flamethrowers and dynamite and running around and there's this alien and blah, blah, blah. So it it does a really great job. Like you mentioned, like tonally, like it's very simple, like John Carpenter's music. They start out so subtle, so boring, so bland. They really catch you off guard. It's kind of like, you know, like I hate to use this expression because I think of cruelty to frogs, but if you put a frog in a skillet, you know, it won't hop out, will it? Because if you just gradually rise, raise the temperature, it won't notice that. So I feel like both alien and the thing have that, Mm -hmm. but what the thing I feel does differently than alien is it's you get like the face hugger vibe the whole movie it's just like a movie of chestburster scenes mm-hmm. yeah you know <laughs> like that's the thing have either one of you seen the prequel that was done in 2011? I think I did in 2011 <laughs> so right. it's been a while and I remember it being good but it you CGI and some scenes were a bit dodgy. So you will be pleasantly surprised to learn yep. that whilst they did use CGI, the director was very aware that this was a film that was no- that he was doing a prequel to a film that was known for its practical effects. I, um, I purchased the thing box set thing uh, the original thing and then the prequel, which is also called The Thing. So beware shopping online, folks. It's the same yeah. name for both of them. At least the 1950s version is The Thing from Another World. But if you go on Amazon right now, it's like five pounds to pick up the Blu-ray two-pack of them. So there's John Carpenter's The Thing and there's a prequel. But the prequel director was aware that this is a special effects, practical effects, known movie, and that's what people find and celebrate with this film. So I watched the making of after I watched this film, which wasn't bad. And I mean, some of the, you know, surprise elements from the original, like, you know what they're getting into, you know, what's going to happen because it's a prequel. It shows you what happened to the camp that first encountered this creature. Yeah. Because so, it, I mean, if I remember it, it ends exactly how as the first, they, as the first one begins. Yeah. 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 So should you watch the prequel first? No. No, oh, okay. no, 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 no. Okay. I, I like the, I like having that. I like having the mystery of like what happened okay. with the original thing because you're still figuring it out. So the second one, I watched the making of, and there were scenes that I was like, "That is CGI. That is CGI. That is CGI." <laughs> I watched the making of, and I was like shit, those are good practical effects. I thought that was CGI. Holy cow. Oh my gosh. That's, that's not CGI. That, that's actually a practical effect. So at one scene, 
Um, so the second thing, movie, the prequel, is really cool because it has a female paleontologist as the protagonist, and she kicks a lot of ass. And um, I think not since Ellen Ripley has a woman handled a blowtorch so well. Or <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a scene where she's like getting something out of a storeroom and one of her colleagues, one of the other like women down on this base, like she's behind her and like her chest starts opening up into like this giant maw. That's a practical effect. Nice. And I, I think, Paul, if you remember okay. it, like she chases her around the kitchen and stuff. Even when she's chasing her around the kitchen, that's a practical effect. That's all puppetry and whatnot. I was just blown away by the amount of effort on it. Okay. And I have got the Blu-ray, so I will, I will definitely watch it, I think. Rewatch it and watch the special effects for like how it was done. Now, there is some blatant use of CGI. Like um, They do go into the spacecraft and there's all sorts of alien glowy gobbledygook that you know like powers this spacecraft and yeah. that is cgi they didn't go the tron route on that one and um the it was really interesting because the director said you might see the thing's true form in this movie hmm. i'm Did you? i'm gonna call bs on that because <laughs> it had a human face at one point but you do see the alien like version like it, it go it basically what it was transforming to transforming into at the end of the original movie you get to see that realized and that was kind of an interesting bit but i think that the prequel has a lot to add to the original story but it doesn't pull off the same magic i feel because the story has been spoiled you know mm -hmm. it's like yeah that's true yeah like there are some movies that are magic you can watch them over and over again unfortunately for horror movies you only get so much out of the gags and the only way that you really relive those is by subjecting new people to it and <laughs> uh yeah i feel like the thing like it's explosive gags and use of practical effects and that not trust, trusting people and knowing who ends up being a thing and whatnot. You can't really watch it so many times. But when you know that the prequel is going to go along the exact same route, it's kind of you've read the last five chapters of a novel and then you go back and read the first five. And it's just like, well, I know how it's going to end. I know it's going to happen, but it's still nice to see how the story started. I think that's what the prequel does. So it wasn't necessary but it's nice. And I think it's just basically fan service if you watch that one. It's not a bad movie by any stretch, but I don't think it captures the magic of the original. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, do you know, <laughs> um, they're, they're remaking it now, aren't they? The thing. So it... Oh, no, they're not. Again? Really? I mean... <laughs> yeah. Yes, again. There's going to be a... a Where did you find this? <laughs> no, it's um, uh, Bloomhouse Pictures, who normally do quite good horrors. Are, are they are, remaking are it? it? Because um, someone, someone does get away in one of the things. Someone ends up surviving. Okay. I wouldn't be um, surprised if it was I, a remake. I, I think it's probably going to be like a, they'll just reboot it, but no one said. Um, John Carpenter was 
asked and he wouldn't say, but he, I think they said he's going to be involved in it. Maybe it's just like him saying, that's good. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's but I, I like where sign. it's going. Yeah. It's a promising sign. Exactly. Um, but because of COVID, they said it's been pushed back till next year, where I think ideally it was going to be coming out like this Halloween. So it could be good. Who knows? If, if John Carpenter is at least yeah involved in some way, just overseeing it maybe, then at least he can give his mm. thoughts that it, it takes the right shape. That's interesting. You got kind of like a Hulk thing going on then because yeah. <laughs> it was only 2011 the last one came up in the theaters so all that long. Someone has to secure the rights. We gotta secure the rights for the thing. Hmm. It's a yeah. take. But again, it's become so iconic in so many ways that can you really redo it? It's kind of like saying like, oh yes, we are going to redo Alien. <laughs> and well, it wouldn't uh, quite work, would no. it? You know? No, not at this point. Even if, even if Ridley Scott like gave that his blessing. Yeah, well, I mean, he's lost wouldn't... Um, most of <laughs> favorite respect. <laughs> yeah, yes, agreed. <laughs> Sorry. Looking at you, Prometheus, and <laughs> Prometheus 2. I will say it again. Aliens Earth War is, if you disagree with Aliens 3, Alien Resurrection, and any of that blasphemy that came afterwards, if you read Aliens Earth War by Dark Horse, it's worth it. There was also a Thing comic. So in the Thing comic, which excuse me one second i'm just going to go ahead and check that it was uh, done by a dark horse so just two seconds was this a prequel comic no it was um it was titled thing from another world and it was dark horse that's cool and it essentially chronicled the rescue team that came and the thing gets out of antarctica okay it didn't go for very long (laughs) <laughs> um, it's, there's some really grody, groovy, dark <laughs> comic uh, cover art on the uh, comic book covers. That's good. So it, it stayed graphic. It didn't tone itself it down. It stayed quite graphic. <laughs> and it, 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 is, it, it does take off directly after John Carpenter's thing. But um, it was kind of like a few short stories about the thing like getting loose essentially into areas where it could wreak havoc. So Dark Horse, I mean, they do a lot of really good stuff. And for these horror movies that were coming out, like Alien, Predator, The Thing, they do a solid job of taking those stories and expanding on them. But yeah, like I said, Aliens, Earth War, brilliant story. Always will recommend. Yeah, I'm sure you have done Ripley, that several times. <laughs> Newt and Ripley live. They should <laughs> Newt shouldn't have died. <laughs> but no, sorry, well, I haven't seen Aliens in such a long time. Oh, that's right. But it was at the wasn't that at the beginning of Aliens three? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that, that was a great movie. <laughs> but I didn't like Aliens three. Newt should have lived. Yeah, mm-hmm. she should have. Lived. I like. I like Aliens Resurrection because it's so campy and like weird. It's like I know that it's it's pretty much awful in like the Alien you have Ron franchise. Not even yeah. acting, he's just Ron Perlman. Yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> I'm like, what is this movie? It's crazy. <laughs> Ripley's like playing basketball. She's like a, a 
basketball because I'm part alien. And I'm you, like, know, yeah. you know the bit where she swishes it from behind her head? You know, like where she just <laughs> the basketball throws it behind her? Yeah. That was legit. She did that. They had to do it a so couple of Weaver is my hero. I love her. <laughs> She's pretty cool. She's, She's awesome. Legit. And they, yeah. I mean, that, that was definitely the right direction for that film to take because they couldn't have... They tried with Alien Three, didn't they? Let's oh, let's try and they couldn't they couldn't remake the remake Alien Three. No, like, <laughs> so Alien let's just let's have dark. fun with it. Let's have fun with the franchise. Let's try something different. And yeah, it worked. It was yeah. good fun. <laughs> it was yeah. They should have left it there, really. But that was like the grotiest Alien movie too. Like mm. the amount of slime and oh yes, mm. buckets of yeah. slime. Yeah, they progressively get slimier <laughs> over the course of movies for some reason. That's what's gonna happen in the new the new thing. It's the gonna thing. be real slimy. It's gonna be tentacles everywhere. So this I is would believe that, bit, yeah. <laughs> this is a great bit of tidbit of knowledge. So uh, in the Alien versus Predator movie, I don't know if this necessarily holds true for any of the other aliens movies that are out there, but I would assume the special effects houses use like the same stuff. So the alien drool, you know, because the alien's always drooling. Yeah. That's KY Jelly. <laughs> and, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and because they were shooting that in like Prague, I think like they were just going through so much KY jelly that customs like flagged them up for like being a little bit suspicious. <laughs> so then someone had to justify what they were using this KY jelly for. So I remember hearing that in the Alien versus Predator special effects. I'm like, that's <laughs> the one thing I enjoyed in this movie. <laughs> we should say they're being like <laughs> KY jelly. Oh gosh, but you know, it, it, it has a certain enjoyment to it too when you know how these things are made. But now I can't like help but watch the alien drool. Like it's supposed to be really creepy. I'm just like, that's KY. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the alien just like younger listeners. Up a little bottle. Younger <laughs> listeners, do not look up KY. Okay, please don't. For all of you who are of age and laughing with us, kudos to you. Uh, younger listeners, please don't. Yeah. So in the original Alien, was there much slime at all? I'm trying to think now. He was quite quite dry, pretty, wasn't he? The, pretty dry, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going to have... That's going to just be a completely different take when I watch the films now. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> they got, uh, I think that Aliens is where they started to get a wee bit... It must like, be, yeah. ...sliming, yucky, because they had, like, all that resin and stuff. That's so. true, yeah, because they're creating... They're, like, yeah, they're making so, their own environment here's here's a fun thing so this was posed to me by a nine-year-old fan and he um has not seen the thing pretty surprised yep yeah i i I recommend heartily no you cannot see this film and i told him you i am not showing you this film can we look it up on youtube no (laughs) so um anyways he is familiar with who pennywise is because it came out there were commercials stuff like that like he knows what pennywise can do and blah 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 blah, because you know he's seen NECA figures and pennywise can change shape and all these things so he posed to me who would win in a fight pennywise the clown or the thing to which i replied is pennywise going to touch the thing well yeah thing wins (laughs) And he just did not like that answer. It's like, that can't, that's not fair. You can't just have it automatically win. Just like, well, it wins when it touches you. Like, how does it win? These are details that you do not need to know. <laughs> it's like, you are nine. I'm not going to show you how. You're just teasing him now. Thing. I know, but I'm just going to say, I, I, eventually, I will traumatize this kid. But I'm not really. So, verdicts. 
the thing beat Pennywise. I think that they would like assimilate each other and just turn into this massive clown thing that would be even more horrendous. Yeah, because if Pennywise can change into all these different shapes, what the I mean, the things and just get confused. Yeah. I know, but like the thing can just change into all these different Washimahoosers, can't it? So this is But it has to assimilate mm. it. Yeah, it that's it. Into it. And Pennywise well, It doesn't like have to change into Pennywise, but like if Pennywise tries to stab the thing, the thing's just gonna be like, okay, yeah. And like engulf it, right? I mean <laughs> So unless, unless Pennywise has a flamethrower, the thing will win, yeah. Ooh, that's that's a good point. Right. That's a good point. But uh, here's here's another one. So, Paul, and because we just Joe. love to throw these out here, you know. Yeah. Who would who would win, the Xenomorph or the Thing? Yeah, the Thing. The but thing would, would their blood? Oh, like, oh, that's it. The blood, nothing. though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's got acid the, blood. Yeah. Can the yeah? I don't know how the thing would react to the Xenomorph. It blood. has major problems with. But if it doesn't like fire, petrol and fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh. The aliens wait. didn't like that either, though, did it? <laughs> no. What if the thing? What if an alien turned into the thing and they got a thing xenomorph? <laughs> that's even. That's even. What is that? Dark horse. What would that be? Call us, call us dark horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing we versus an idea alien. To, yeah, we've got a thing to throw out. <laughs> oh dear. You know it would be cool too, and then going along the Dark Horse lines, because they did Dark Horse, uh, they did um, Terminator versus Predator versus Alien. That was all. Oh, right. So, can you imagine the thing trying to assimilate a Terminator, and the Terminator on the inside would be like, my, my human skin over endoskeleton has something going on here. That would be, that would be pretty interesting. Like, that would be. Yeah, Dark Horse, call us. Good old Dark Horse. Yeah, sorry. De- Destiny can illustrate it. Cool. I can. Yeah. <laughs> with a hunt with ten times more tentacles. Yeah. Everyone so, loves tentacles. Now whenever I watch the thing and their tentacles, I'm just gonna hear Zoidberg. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> um, so I think that we have said all the things that we can say about the thing for the time being because yeah. we have gotten gloriously we, off topic. We have got off topic. I do, do want to say one thing about go on, the say, thing. go on, say a thing about the thing. So I was, <laughs> I was talking a little bit earlier. I was talking to my husband about it. Like we're watching it and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, I'm along for the ride. Um, but every monster movie, well, not every monster movie, but I think for me, like a good monster movie allows me to like kind of empathize with the creature. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is, this isn't how I was interpreting it, where it was sort of like, it absorbs someone and becomes that person. right. Where I'm like, well, why can't they just talk to it and ask it what it wants? Why, why do we have to kill it? Because I mean, like, you know, you're chasing after the dog in the beginning, but, but it's like, it's not, actively hurting anybody right if they take on the form of people and he's not the people aren't attacking each other and i'm like why why don't they just talk to it and be like hello you're from another planet what do you want ah you know and and um he's like my husband's like 
no, you don't ask the DM to talk to the monster. <laughs> That's not how this works. And I'm like, oh, I know, but like, there could be so much explored here, so much to say about people, about human beings, about how our, our gut reaction to something that is weird and creepy is that we got to squash it immediately without really, taking the time to understand it. I love the direction that you just went in. That is <laughs> fascinating because it's true. Most of the best monsters, you can empathize with their perspective. It's like how Batman's villains are more interesting than he is because you can empathize with why they've had enough. So um, with the thing, I find it very interesting. I find it a very pure alien creature, kind of like the xenomorph in a sense. So it's taking people over. It's assimilating people. But the way that I see it is like, it's a cellular creature. It's, it doesn't necessarily, I would interpret it that it doesn't really have any motivation of its own other than to spread kind of like a virus or like mm -hmm. in zombie movies or something like that. Yeah. It's like, it's not really something to reason with. It's just, it's motivation is to spread. And I think that, I think part of it, like the no reasoning with it makes it scarier in a sense but I, I do love what you're saying. Like, if you could just ask the thing, like, what do you want? And again, to a degree, this is explored in the back half of the prequel movie. Oh, well, maybe I should watch the prequel because then in, maybe in, the prequel is telling <laughs> me that, like, no, you can't reason with it because it's, like, uh, a exactly. bunch of little cells put together and it doesn't have a mind of its own and it's just... It's mind's... I say minds, but kind of like it's it's absorbed and assimilated all this information, and all these different minds, and like I don't know, it could probably have like a really bad case of dissociative identity disorder because of all the things that it's been. But in the oh, latter part, in the latter part of the prequel movie, you do see it walking around an alien spacecraft doing its alien thing. And it could well come off as sentient, but I do feel also that it, like, I, I, my personal interpretation is that it's like a sentient zombie virus, in a sense. Like, all the mm. things that it has assimilated, like, it has that knowledge, and it has, like, what's going on there, but, like, the core motivation, like, what we would call, like, the reptilian part of our brain or whatever, mm -hmm. has been completely taken over by this thing's desire to propagate and to assimilate more and to spread. I think it really does come off as, like, a virus and something very base that has infected higher things. And in, and in its process of duplicating them and parodying them, it's you know, it comes off as intelligent, but it's only like using that. I don't know. It, it, it's a fat, it's the fascinating yeah. alien. It is a fascinating <laughs> alien because you can take it so many different ways, take it yeah. so many different ways. But I think we've reached this point of the podcast where we have to recommend our, if nothing else and call us, call it a night. So destiny, if nothing else, if nothing else, uh, this is where I plug things, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready. Plugs coming at you. 
find Girls Who Love Monsters on Kickstarter and back us. As of today, we have six days left, um, or the day that I'm filming, that we're recording this. Um, so until next weekend, help us reach our goal. Yay. Um, in addition, you can find me on all of my social medias at Kaiju Hime, K-I-K-A-I-J-U-H-I-M-E. And my husband and I run a little art gig called Rainleaf Studio, and you can find us at rainleaf.studio. And I just added some new cute things to our shop online that maybe would make good holiday presents. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Paul, good sir. Yep, I'm, because we've got Halloween coming up this weekend, I'm gonna recommend a film called All Hallows Eve 2, which is available oh. on Amazon Prime. It's a anthology of probably about, I wanna say about nine different films. Some are about five minutes long, some range up to 20 minutes. And the reason I'm mentioning this on Kaiju Curry House is because there is one story in particular um, that stands out. It's called A Boy's Life. It's about 20 minutes long. And um, the lead boy in it, he's, he's quite young in this, um, but he then goes on to do um, American Vandal and Lock and Key on Netflix. So he's um, yeah, turned out to be quite a good actor. And the story's basically this little boy, um, his father was killed in action, um, serving in the military. And so his mum's now raised him by herself. And the boy wakes up in the middle of the night and is scared there's a monster under his bed. So you know, he runs to his mum and the film's all about this boy trying to really capture or get rid of this monster and the mum's struggle having to raise a child who's constantly like coming into a bed at the middle of the night. And uh, it's so relatable and so heartwarming at times, but also it's creepy and there's a whole is there actually a monster there or not? Kids are very creepy. Let me tell kids, are, you. kids are creepy. Yes. And they have quite an imagination. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's only about 20 minutes long, the, this, this section, but it's within that anthology film. So the film itself is called A Boy's Life. It's 20 minutes long. But, you know, if you're looking for a Halloween film, watch the whole film, All Hallows, All Hallows Eve 2. Joe, if nothing else? So I have a couple things to plug uh, tonight, folks. The first thing is I'm going to say Arrow Video have announced and released the pre-order for the non-special edition, but still very special Gamera box sets. So the Hishi and Shawa sets are separated. You can buy one or the other. Um, they're around 50 quid um, right now. You can go onto Arrow Video's site and pre-order them. I think it's a January release that they're looking at. So that's cool. Um, I'm also going to say, check out John Carpenter's The Thing. And if you really enjoy it, go ahead and check out The Thing, which was released in 2011. I got mine together off of Amazon for about five pounds. So it's not a huge investment to get a Blu-ray. And yeah, the other thing that I'm going to say is um, that by the time this episode drops, the Ray and Diane Harryhausen Foundation will be having an exhibition at the uh, Edinburgh Art Museum. Mm -hmm. And it's going to run for 11 months. So no rush and don't be worried too much about COVID in this context. You have a great chance to go and see it, but it is all of Ray Harryhausen's original stop motion monsters books. They're 
um, up on uh, pedestals with glass cases so you can see it from every angle. It is gorgeous. Um, please uh, look for it on Twitter. Um, we have it in our group. We're always posting about it. It is a fantastic opportunity. And then additionally in Falmouth in Cornwall, there is a sea monsters exhibit that uh, is currently going on. It is the true life inspirations for sea monsters. There are several kaiju that are noted and advertised there, which is pretty neat. Um, they do have a Victorian mermaid, which is a gorgeous thing to see. And uh, along with a unicorn, um, giant squid replica, the works, folks. So give it a shout. And that's at the National Maritime Museum in Falmouth, down in Cornwall. So yeah, that's a few recommendations for me this week. And uh, since we won't be releasing in time for Halloween, I'm going to recommend or just say to uh, all of our spooky listeners out there, happy Halloween. As always, keep it kaiju. Thanks for joining us at the Curry House today. We hope we've given you enough kaiju goodness to last until next time. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Curry Kaiju. If you want to join us on Facebook, we're at UK Kaiju. And if you want to find out about other shows in the network, please visit heroespodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Do you know what I was thinking, actually, when, when you were describing the thing? <laughs> How much it relates to Tremors, doesn't it? I mean, it's a film. It's a cult classic that, you know, back in the day, it was bombed at the office, got I great practical effects. This you is, this you, is. You didn't put this in the podcast. Oh, no. no this this is, is, you got to talk this about Tremors this, every time. This is, the after <laughs> this is the after credits segment. He's waiting just to do this. <laughs> Just to see my face, because like you know, I, like, I wait face, for it every episode. You do. I wait for it yeah. every episode, and if you I mean, it's don't, got the tentacles and, then... and everything, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised.